This is Pastor Joshua Swilly, and you're listening to the Hope United Podcast. We pray that this message is a blessing to you. We have a lot to be thankful for. I want to thank Pastor Joshua and Pastor Corinne for allowing me to be here today to share with you what God has placed on my heart as we continue while we conclude the series on what is your reach? What is your reach? And today, Pastor Joshua talked about it a little bit last week. We're going to talk about telling your story. Telling your story. So before we get started, I'm just going to pray. Father God, I ask that you anoint our ears so that we can hear what your spirit is saying to us. Anoint our minds so that we can understand what your spirit is saying to us. And anoint our hearts so that we can receive what your spirit is saying to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So picture it. Nassau. Bahamas, 1987. I was in the second grade, and I went to a Christian school. So every Wednesday, we had chapel service. On this particular Wednesday, we had a guest speaker from that faraway and mysterious land called the United States. And this guy who preached, he preached a fire and brimstone, you going to hell message, and I was scared. I don't know if I had never heard about hell before or if this was the first time I realized that this is not a place that I want to be because I was not always a very good little girl. Sometimes I could be quite naughty. And so I just might not be counted in that number going to heaven and there might be a seat for me in hell. I also didn't remember if he did an offer, uh, a salvation appeal. Did he call, do a call for salvation? I don't remember that. I know that they dismissed us and sent us back to class, and that lady was at that board, my teacher, that lady. And she was talking about math and adding, and I was like, I can't go to hell. I had to figure out how I'm not going to go to hell. She then dismissed us for recess, and these kids are outside, and they're playing. And I'm like, don't they realize they could be going to hell? I couldn't concentrate. I said, I got to figure out how I can avoid going to hell. So I saw my teacher standing by the swing set. I said, you know what? She's an adult. She's smart. She's going to know how to avoid going to hell. So I approached her. Mrs. Staley was her name. And I asked her, what do I have to do not to go to hell? She said, oh, you have to confess your sins. I said, okay, I got it. I stole that gum out of the food store when my mom wasn't looking. I don't like to share my toys. I am quite selfish. What else I need to do? She said, and then you have to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe. Then she led me in the sinner's prayer, and she said, now you're saved. And I had to make sure I'm saved from hell, right? So she's like, yes, you're saved from hell. So that's my salvation story. I got saved at the age of eight, and I've been saved ever since. Thank you. Thank you for the applause. I don't always share those sentiments because sometimes I would find myself thinking, well, I mean, what kind of story is that? That's kind of boring. I mean, it was no pigsty. Didn't encounter that. There was no well and Jesus showed up. There was no Damascus road, no bright light. I'm like, 
that story is boring. But then the Holy Spirit brought me to realize that someone connects with my unique story. And it draws them closer to Jesus. And the same is true for you. Someone connects with your story, your salvation story, your testimony, how Jesus saved you, how he delivered you, how he healed you, how he set you free, your story. And it will draw them closer to Jesus. You know, the Bible says that Paul planted Apollo's water and the Holy Spirit brings the harvest. So I see it like if I share my story, that's a seed planted, right? And then Mr. Marco might come along to the same person, and he might share a testimony because he got stories. He might share a testimony, and that's like that seed being watered, right? And then Prophet Eddie might come along, and he might share his salvation story, or he might just say the name Jesus. And then that's like another watering of that seed. And then the Holy Spirit brings the harvest. My point is that all of us have a story and it is important for us to tell it because somebody God is placing in your path to hear it so that they are drawn closer to Jesus and accepting him as their Lord and Savior. So I'm a writer. A lot of you know that, but I also like to read and I love a good story. But I'm not the only one who likes a good story. According to an article that I saw in Forbes magazine, it's a 2017 article, the book publishing industry earned $26.3 billion that year. That's a lot of books. And so a lot of those books were stories, right? Another Forbes magazine article in 2019 reported that the world box office sales Sales for the box office for movies worldwide was $101 billion. Them a lot of movie tickets. But what that tells me is that we like stories. We like action. We like adventure. We like intrigue. We like mystery. We like romance. Well, I like romance. We like to indulge in those stories and immerse, immerse ourselves into those stories and become a part of the story because it is more likely that we will remember a story than just facts. When people give us facts, we'll remember the story. We'll remember where it started. We'll remember, you know, when there was a conflict in the story. We'll remember the climax. We'll remember the conclusion. So a, harvest, a Harvard Business article stated that stories build familiarity and trust. That is why people like our stories, because they become familiar with us. They feel like they know us. And well, if that happened to Wes, maybe God will do it for me. And then it allows the listener to enter the story where they are making them more open to learning or, in this case, converting. So once history started, before a man invented the pen and the paper and started writing in books, history was passed down orally through storytelling. So just imagine for generations, people remembered history because somebody told them a story, right? The Bible itself is a collection of 66 books that tell 
stories. The story of creation, the story of Nas Ark, the story of Samson and Delilah, the story of David and Goliath, the story of Joseph and his coat of many colors. I remember all those stories that, I, that were told to me when I was a little girl in Sunday school. Jesus in his ministry, he used parables to tell stories. And a parable is defined as a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson, right? So we have the parable of the sower, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the good Samaritan. Jesus, in the Gospels, it recorded that Jesus told 46 parables to teach a spiritual lesson. And the Gospels themselves are a collection of stories of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the same story. I don't know if y'all notice. But they all tell the same story, and that does not stop us from reading them continually. Revelations 12:11 says, "And they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, the word of our testimony." I grew up in a Pentecostal church and we would have, I don't know who else grew up in a Pentecostal church, but we all right. <laughs> We would have a, a part of the, the morning worship where people would give their testimonies, right? And even as a young person and as a child, I realized how empowering and encouraging those testimonies were. Whether it was sister so-and-so talking about her child that God said that we've been praying for since the beginning of time, they finally came back home, or whether it was sister this and that saying how God um, provided for her or it was this one lady. Yes, it was this one lady. I won't call her name, Sister Brown. Um, she gave the same testimony every single Sunday. And I would see her, she would stand up. I would see her going to that podium. And I'd be like, you think she knows she's saying the same testimony? We heard this last week. And, but it was okay because what I came to realize is that when she spoke those words, that she was reminding us of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, of God's patience, of his love, of his kindness. And she was reminding the devil of who Jesus is. And that is how we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. When the enemy comes and try to tell us, well, this situation is just too big. Well, it might be too big for me, but it's not too big for my God. Because if he did it then, he will do it now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never fails. He never fails. And that is how we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that we rehearse it and we tell the devil, you are a liar. Jesus is the truth. And I am set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the book of Acts, so Luke wrote the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is one of my favorite books to read because it's just a story about the first church, which I find so interesting. My favorite part is in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Ghost appears to them for the first time. I mean, now that, that should be a movie. 
they like in the upper room waiting for all these days, 50, for this Holy Spirit who they never seen before to come, right? And then they get in agreement in one mind and one accord and boom, the Holy Spirit descends and looks like fire. Oh my goodness. And then they began to speak in other languages, heavenly languages. Oh, come on now. That's a story. That's a story. So I love the book of Acts about the signs, the wonders, and the miracles that happen in the first church, which are not reserved for just the first church. They can happen and they are happening now. But in Acts chapter 26, Paul gives his conversion story. So I am going to read the entire chapter. I know it's a lot of words. So please stay with me for the entire chapter. But I don't want to paraphrase it because I want you to hear it in Paul's words and not Kendi's words. And this is in the Passion. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And it says, King Agrippa said to Paul, you may now state your case. Paul motioned with his hand for silence. Then he began his defense or his testimony. King Agrippa, I consider myself highly favored to stand before you today and answer the charges made against me by the Jews. Because you, more than anyone else, are very familiar with the customs and controversies among the Jewish people. I now ask for your patience, and I ask for your patience too, as I state my case. All the Jews know how I have been raised as a young man living among my own people from the beginning and in Jerusalem. If my accusers are willing to testify, they must admit that they've known me all along as a Pharisee, a member of the most strict and orthodox sects within Judaism. And now here I am on trial because I believe in the hope of God's promise made to our ancestors this is the promise the 12 tribes of our people hope to see fulfilled as they sincerely strive to serve God with prayers night and day. So, your highness, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. And how should you judge me in this matter? Why is it that any of you think it unbelievable that God raises the dead? I used to think that I should do all that was in my power to oppose the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what I did in Jerusalem. For I not only imprisoned many of the holy believers by the authority of the chief priests, I also cast my vote against them, sentencing them to death. I punished them in every Jewish meeting hall and attempted to force them to blaspheme. I boiled with rage against them, hunting them down in distant foreign cities to persecute them. For that purpose, I went to Damascus. With the authority granted to me by the chief priests, while traveling on the road at noon, your highness, I saw a light brighter than the sun flashing from heaven. All around me and those who were with me, we fell to the ground. And I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You are only hurting yourself when you resist your calling. I asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus. So when I read that, I feel like shouting. Like he showed up to Paul and he said, I am Jesus. I am the one that you are persecuting and who you will serve, but you don't know yet. Let me finish reading. 
get up and stand to your feet. For I have appeared to you to reveal your destiny and to commission you as my assistant. You will be a witness to what you have seen and to the things I will reveal whenever I appear to you. I will rescue you from the persecution of your own people and from the hostility of other nations that I will send you to. And you will open their eyes to their true condition so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. By placing their faith in me, they will receive total forgiveness of sins and be made holy, taking hold of the inheritance that I give to my children. So you see, King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to what was revealed to me from heaven. For it was in Damascus that I first declared the truth. And then I went to Jerusalem and throughout our nation and even to other nations, telling people everywhere that they must repent and turn to God and demonstrate it with a changed life. That's why the Jews seized me when I was in the temple and tried to murder me. But in spite of all of this, I have experienced the supernatural help of God up to this moment. So I am standing here saying the same thing that I've shared with everyone from the least to the greatest. For I teach nothing but what Moses and the prophets have said was destined to happen. That our Messiah had to suffer and had to die and be the first to rise from the dead. To release the bright light of truth both to our people and to non-Jewish people. Verse 26. King Agrippa, I know I can speak frankly and freely with you, for, I un for you understand these matters well, and none of these things have escaped your notice. After all, it's not like it was a secret. Don't you believe the prophets, King Agrippa? I know you do. Agrippa answered and said, in such a short time, you, are nearly, you have nearly persuaded me to become a Christian. He said, in such a short time, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. This is the power of your personal testimony. And the thing is that King Agrippa was not the only person that was in that room. There were other people in that room that heard Paul's testimony, that they couldn't argue with him when he was killing Christians. And he said, I was on my way to Damascus to throw some more Christians in, in prison. And Jesus showed up. Jesus gave me a new purpose. Jesus gave me a new destiny. He made me a new creation. They couldn't unargue with that. You know me as Paul as Saul, but now I am Paul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so other people in that room, they heard that testimony. And I know something stirred in their spirits that said that this man is telling the truth. I'm going to seek out that Jesus. That is the power of your personal testimony. That is the power of the name of Jesus. All we got to do sometimes is just walk into a room and start to just whisper, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then we'll just see people start to feel that there's something different about that person. There's something different about her. She has something that I need. And it's Jesus. Hallelujah. You might be like, I was, and think that your story isn't dramatic like Paul's. Well, most of our stories isn't dramatic like Paul's. You know, he needed to be knocked off his high horse. Or you might say, nobody's going to listen to me. Why is anybody going to listen to what I have to say? Well, I counter your question with a question of my own. Why wouldn't they listen to you? 
One of my favorite quotes is by Marianne Williamson. I did not read her book. I just like the quote. But it says that our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. You are a child of God. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us. It's in all of us. It is in all of us. The same way that God's glory and his spirit is in all of us who he calls his children. All of us have a story to tell. And it matters. Your story matters. In Genesis 1.27, it says that we were created in the image, in the likeness of God. You were created. I know we read that and we become familiar with it, but just think about it. Meditate on it. God created you in his image and in his likeness. You are a child of God bearing his likeness and inheriting through the reconciliation of Jesus' work on the cross his DNA. His blood runs through your veins. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God and a sojourner here on earth as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You are important. You are important. I say it and I joke and I say and I mention it before I say that I'm a queen, but I, I mean that. I mean that, and it's not just me, it's each and every one of you, that you are royalty, that you are important. Therefore, what you have to say carries weight. You might not think that it carries weight, but trust me, it carries weight. The enemy knows the word, and so he knows that life and death is in the power of your tongue. So his primary objective is to get you to remain silent. It's to steal your voice, to steal your message, right? So we are in an age where we have so, this thing called social media. I don't know if you heard about it, Facebook, Instagram. I don't know who on Twitter, Twitter. Um, and so anybody can access a platform to let their voice be heard. And people in the world have no hesitancy about spewing whatever they believe, and they release this into the atmosphere. And words have weight. Words become things. In the beginning, right, when God created the wor world, it said, and God said, and God said, let there be light, right? God is God. He didn't have to say nothing. It could have just come into existence, but he chose to speak. He chose to speak and say, let there be light. And guess what? Darkness had to flee and light had to appear because it had to obey his words. And if we are made in his image and likeness, that means that we have the same power and we have the same authority that when we speak, atmosphere starts to shift, chains start to break. When we start to decree and declare, I don't know if you realize that only kings and queens, royalty, decree and declare things. And we have the power and the authority to decree and declare a thing. And as it is in heaven, so it is on earth. So that's why the enemy wants you to be silent. Because you may offend somebody. I could care less about offending anybody. Jesus was offensive. He called the, the Pharisees vipers. He told his best friend, Peter, Get behind me, Satan. We wouldn't have been friends no more after that. He didn't care. He spoke the truth because the truth sets people free. 
and we have to speak the truth because it will set people free. We can't be scared of persecution. The Bible already says you will be persecuted for righteousness sake. Whether you speak or you remain silent, you're going to be persecuted. So guess what? Declare the name of Jesus. Tell your story. Speak the truth. Do not allow Satan to steal your voice and keep you silent. Amen. Amen. And the enemy tries to complicate things. You know, we get in our heads and we start thinking, oh, I'm going to share my story. Oh, um, how am I going to approach a person? You know, it's, sometimes it's not all about that. Sometimes it could be as simple as showing love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, or self-control. When we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, it makes people curious. Because they're going to say, hmm, why is she always happy, Miss Elder? Why is she always full of joy? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Or they might say, hmm, all this stuff going on, and their face looked like this too. All this stuff going on in the world, how come you, you're so peaceful? How come you're so calm? Because Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world. Guess what? I can sleep like he did in the middle of the storm, knowing that I'm anchored to the hope of Christ Jesus so that I don't have to worry about the storm because I know that I'm going to make it through to the other side. It gives us an opportunity when they notice something is different. Something's different about her. Something's different about Brittany. Something's different about Joy. They're going to be attracted to that, and they're going to start asking questions. And you have the answer. You have the answer. Is, the answer is simple. It's Jesus. How come? How come you, Jesus? Don't, they don't even have to finish the question. Jesus? How'd you pay? Jesus? The answer is Jesus. No matter what the question is, Jesus. When Jesus gave the great commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach, them these, new, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So when Jesus gave this great commission, he wasn't just talking to the 11 disciples that were present. He was talking to me, and he was talking to you, okay? And I know it says, you know, go to all the nations. You're like, well, I can't get to all the nations. Yes, you can. One person at a time. One person at a time. Jesus started his ministry not speaking to a crowd. He didn't start off speaking to the multitude. He started off when speaking to Andrew and Peter and saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Then he went to James and John and then he went to Philip. He started off by going to them individually and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yes, he had crowds of people, but he also interacted with people one-on-one, -on -one, the woman at the well. He made his disciples take a longer route take a shorter route that they were afraid to take just so that he can meet an appointment with this woman that people in society look down upon that you may be thinking that you know I'm not important we're all important this story tells us that we're all important to God that he rearranged his whole trip just so he could be waiting at the well when she came he was waiting for her 
so that she could be introduced to the one that could give her living water. Living water. He came, Nicodemus came to him at night. She's like, look, my bad time is 9.30. Um, you interrupt my sleep, but I will rearrange my schedule because I know you're scared. You're a Pharisee. You don't want nobody to see you. You could come and talk to me at night. And he spent the whole night answering Nicodemus' questions one-on-one because Nicodemus connected to him one-on-one, and somebody will connect with you and your story one-on-one. Why is it important for you to share your salvation story and speak the name of Jesus boldly? I think I already said it, but Pastor Joshua said it last week. That Jesus is the answer to what is going on in the world today. Whether they realize it or not, the only answer is Jesus. The only answer is Jesus. And like I said, we have that answer, so we have to share it. Because they don't know. They're ignorant. So we have to tell them. In Matthew 23... 34 and 35, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. When they are hungry, we must feed them the bread of life. When they are thirsty, we must give them living water. When we see a stranger, we should invite them into the house of God. When we see them naked and exposed, we must let them know that they can be clothed with righteousness. When they are sick, we must speak the name of Jesus because there is healing in the name of Jesus. That is not medication. It's not doctors. It's the name of Jesus. He is Jehovah Rapha. When we see them shackled and imprisoned by oppression, we must introduce them to the one who can set them free. He said, I came to set the captives free. It may seem a little intimidating when you think about sharing your story, but it's your story, so it's easy to tell. (laughs) It happens to you. You don't have to think about remembering it. You know it. It's in your heart, and you will tell it with passion. When you remember that time when your house was up for foreclosure and God stepped in and made a way. That time you were looking for a job and Jesus supernaturally opened a door for you. When you were bound by oppression and somebody prayed for you. You didn't even know that they were praying and they began to pray for you and you were set free. You don't need to memorize it. It happened to you. So you can share it confidently, boldly, because someone needs to hear it. In foundation class, when we get to this portion about sharing your story and telling your testimony, for those of you who have not taken the foundation class yet, I forgive you, but we have homework. So guess what? You have homework. So the first homework assignment is to write your story down, put it on paper so you can organize your thoughts, right? Then the second assignment is to condense it to 30 seconds. In business, this is called an elevator pitch because you don't always have people's attention because I think our attention span has shrunk 
over the years. So you have 30 seconds to tell somebody the most important part of, their, of your story that you think that they need to hear or that the Holy Spirit has led you to share with them. My 30-second testimony is that I was saved at the age of eight. And I've been saved ever since. From that time to this, God has kept me. He has protected me. He has provided for me. He has caused me to avoid every snare, every trap that his hand is on me. And he has me hidden under his wings. Amen. I know right now we don't have a lot of opportunities to share our story. But I want you to pray about it and ask God to bring somebody into your path that you can share your story with, your testimony with, or just speak the name of Jesus. Sometimes the only thing that they need to hear is that God loves you. And that will begin to soften their hearts. And they've been waiting to hear it. They've been waiting to hear because they're looking. People are looking and they're searching. And they're turning to the universe. And they're talking about vibrations. And they're talking about all this stuff. And I'm like, that does not work. That don't work. It's Jesus. It's the only thing that works. Listen. We have, you have, you and you and you and you. You have God's peace in you. You have God's joy in you. You have God's power in you. And you need to share it with someone. People are sick. People are lonely. People are depressed. They feel hopeless. They feel angry. And we have the solution. We have the answer to what is ailing the world right now. So we cannot, we cannot afford, we see what's going on. We cannot afford to be silent. We have to speak up. There's a lot of chatter going on. People are talking. Our voices should drown out the chatter that's going on in the world. We sang this morning, you got to raise a hallelujah. That our voices have to be louder than the voice of the world. And the best part about this is that your story is not done. That God is continuing to write your story. That there will be more opportunities where he will provide, where he will heal, where he will deliver you, where he will set you free, and your testimony continues. And so you have more to tell. Imagine what kind of testimony that we will have when we come out of this. Our testimony will be that Jesus did it. Doctors didn't do it. The government didn't do it. Jesus did it. Our prayers did it. Our fasting did it. Our worship did it. When we raise our voice and the walls come crumbling down, our testimony will be that Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. And we will let them know that they are here because Jesus stepped in. And he did it. He did it. So if you are here today or if you are viewing online or you are in here today, I just want to pray over you to release a spirit of boldness. God said to Joshua to be bold and courageous. He said it seven times in the first chapter of Joshua. Be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous. So if you need boldness to share your story, to share Jesus, if you could just lift your hand up. Online, you can lift your hand up too. The Spirit sees you. And I'm just going to pray over you. Father God, I just thank you for your power and for your authority.
I thank you, Lord God, that you've given us dunamis power, that the Holy Spirit is like dynamite, and that you've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to speak the truth, to speak the message of Jesus Christ, that I come, Lord God, against fear that tries to silence us. And I bind it in the name of Jesus and I send it to the pit of hell because you've not given us a spirit of fear. But what you have given us is power, love, and a sound mind. So I release power, love, and a sound mind over your people right now. I come against the spirit of timidity. I bind it up. I send it back to the pit of hell right now in the name of Jesus. You did not call us to shy away. You did not call us to hide in the background, Lord God. I thank you for the people, Lord God, that you are bringing into the foreground in this season, Father God. The people that you are taking from the back row to the front row, Lord God. From the people that you are taking from behind the camera to in front of the camera, Lord God. That you've placed a word on their lips and in their heart for such a time as this, Lord God. That I'm calling forth the Esther's, Lord God, in this season, Heavenly Father, Lord God, who will say, so what if I die? It doesn't matter. Once I do what the Father has called me to do, Lord God, I release, Lord God, obedience over your people, Lord God, that when we hear your voice, that we do not hesitate, Lord God, but that we move quickly, Lord God, to obey you, Heavenly Father, Lord God. I speak, Lord God, over each and every one of us, Lord God, that we trust you with all our hearts. We lean not on your own understanding and on our own understanding and all of our ways, we acknowledge you as you direct our path in Jesus' name. And if there's anyone listening, who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I want you to know that he loves you. That when God said, when the Bible said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, that he was doing it for you. If you were the only person, he would still do it for you, that you are that important to him, that when he created you, he didn't do it you know, because I'm God and I could create people. He did it with purpose and with intention. That you have purpose and you have intention. So if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to this morning, I would just ask that you repeat this simple prayer after me. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he is the son of God. I repent of my sins and I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope United podcast. Please consider planting a seed in this ministry. Any seed helps us get the gospel message out to those that would otherwise not hear it. If you want to give, please click the link below in the episode notes. If you're in the area, come visit us in Pembroke Pines, Florida. May God bless you and may you possess the promise God has for you.